It's good to be back to Tombow Bible Church. One thing Tom did not say, I'm a fry and I grew up in Tombow Bible Church. So this is like coming home. Any high schoolers we have in here today? Just raise your hand. Stand up and share your biggest sin. No, just some high schoolers that are there. want to let you know, I sat on the back row. Back row uh, critiquing slash mocking the pastor when I was in high school. And God has a way of taking uh, ridiculers and mockers and making us pastors. And it was this church right here that uh, birthed inside of me some dreams and visions that I've given my life to. It's a church. It's not just a place you come to and get some coffee and shake hands and talk about how awful the Aggies were last night. But the church is the place that stirs the heart for things that only God can accomplish. Amen for that. Uh, we're going to go to prayer right now. And as we go to prayer right now, there's going to be two uh, uh, stands, uh, seats put up here, right? So let's go to prayer on that, and we'll get those things taken care of. Uh, you can stand if you want to right now. You can get on your knees. Uh, church is not a place to be comfortable. Church is a place to open ourselves up to have the Lord move in our life. Just to bring a little reality, uh, I'm not going to ask you to go serve in the places that my family's been for two years. Maybe. But I do want to make a connection that what went on in Ethiopia is the same thing that goes on in Tambal. It's the same thing that goes on in the woodlands. Is that Jesus Christ came to make supernaturally oriented disciples and followers of him amen for that and that's what we're going to pray for because that's the mantra of uh, tomball bible church and it's not the mantra of tomball bible church because tbc has discovered it it's the mantras of jesus who we follow after that has called us to be a part of becoming something that's bigger than ourselves it's global in nature that the heavens will be populated because of it father we come before you today and god we would ask that you would do a full court press on us today God, we would ask, Lord, that in the time that we have, Lord, that you and your only God kind of way can capture our ADD thoughts and apply them on an area of our life, God, so that we can make practical change. God, your hand is upon Tomball Bible Church. God, your anointing has been on this church for a long, long time. And God, I would ask, God, that in these days that the best years of TBC would take place. God, I thank you for the movement that's taking place here. God, I thank you for the discipleship language that is being talked about. Not quite sure if everybody knows what that is, but God, at least that vocabulary is in the church. And God, I would ask today, God, that we would press into you. And as we press into you, God, you would press into us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I've had the privilege in the last 50 years of my life to have some pretty awesome situations that have taken place. Had the chance to took my family a couple years ago on a 1,500-mile-each-way trip to the Grand Canyon. Uh, We were afraid that once we got there, it was going to be closed. But anyway, we got out there, and it was awesome. Had the chance a couple years ago to climb the Great Wall of China. Pretty awesome. Had the chance uh, last night to walk on the... Kyle Field, A&M Field. Yeah, you better make that a little louder. It was a weak game. But anyway, had a chance to eat at some amazing buffets. But I tell you, I'm a 50-year-old pastor, and let me tell you what wakes me up in the middle of the night. What wakes me up in the middle of the night is when you begin to see in other people's life, when they begin to get a clue of how God wired them and how God made them. 
to see a 50-year-old guy to figure out that this is what God put me on the planet for. To see a 17 or 18-year-old high school kid who begins to understand that God made him for a purpose. That God made him here not to just be an economic data point, but that God made us to bring purpose and power in our life, and he did that in a unique way. There's nothing more powerful than that. And please understand, I'm not saying for you to become a missionary or for you to become a pastor is the only category that God made for you. God specifically made you to make a difference in the unique way that he put you together. But here's the deal. As big as that is, most of us in here will never understand the uniqueness of God in our life apart from other people in our life speaking that into us. We don't get it. We don't see that. We don't understand that that God has sovereignly been behind the scenes putting us together in a unique kind of a way. Most of us in here are are, are too limited in our understanding of ourselves that we need somebody to speak into our life something that we don't see in our own life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the Barnabas effect. I want to talk to you about how do we release the God-given potential in other people's lives. That's discipleship. Discipleship is the purest definition of how do we as mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, employees release the God-given potential of others by speaking that into their life. That's what discipleship is. As you're turning to Acts chapter 9, let me tell you a little bit about uh, a lady in my life. I had graduated from Wheaton College, played some football, thought I'd come back home and go to Texas A&M and get my teacher's certificate and coach college football. And so it was a rainy week like we've had this week in Houston. Drove up to College Station, signed up for teacher's certificate to get that. Was driving home. It was a typical fry car. The radio didn't work. Raining, you know, couldn't get distracted. And the Lord just kind of just was putting these feelings in my heart. It's not right. I don't feel good about this. So I came home and I was met at home by my mom. And some of you know mom, Shirley Ann Fry. My mom's a, a close talker. Uh, her private space is two to three inches. And uh, she doesn't mind, you know, you know, coming into your space. You don't see mom first. You smell her breath first. And then you know that she's there. So I came home and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I don't feel good about what I just did. I, I don't feel good about this decision. And she says, I know why. I said, really? Tell me that. Enlighten me of what you know. And she says, the reason that you don't feel good about becoming a coach is because God has made you to be a preacher. What? You need to tell me what you're thinking. And she said, I'm good. I've got three reasons for you. And I'm looking like she's got some kind of an outline. She says, first of all, Ernie, God made you. Since you were a little kid to have a heart for God. (laughs) You've always stopped in your tracks when God speaks. She was right about that. She said, secondly, uh, God's given you a love for people. Everywhere you go, you just kind of, you're a magnet for people. And she's right about that. I like people. And she says, thirdly, you're big and you're loud and you got a loud voice. And God likes to use big, loud voices. Here's what's interesting. My mom said something to me that she had never said before 
And we have never talked about it since. But it changed my life. Changed my life. It changed what I'm doing. It changed my Mondays and it changed my Sundays because one lady spoke into me something that I had never seen before. And it had changed my life. This is not a missionary message today. We're not going to talk about lions, tigers, and bears. We're going to talk about something that's more powerful than that. That we as a church and those that have the living presence of Christ inside of us, God has put something unique in us to speak into the lives of other people. Father, come after us again one more time. God, we would ask the Lord just one, one millionth of understanding today of the power of what we're dealing with in your church today. God, I thank you for my mom and God, I thank you for moms and dads that are out there that has done the same in their kids' lives whose life trajectory is changed because a mom or a dad or a friend or employee took the time to speak into their life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 9. God is on the move. Listen to me. When God is on the move, He is always moving people to move along with Him. Can I see an amen for that? Hear an amen for that today. When God is on the move, He never does that solo. When God is on the move, He always uses people to accomplish what he's doing. God has the power to do that. Our God is God. But when God starts to move in a person's life and in a church's life, he always moves through people. And God has an amazing way to get people committed to what he is doing. Acts chapter 9. You know, there's a lot of stuff about ISIS out there and there's all this new evil in the world. Come on. Acts chapter 9 begins with a religious fundamentalist, a Jewish religious fundamentalist, by the name of Saul. ISIS is not new. It's not. And so in Acts chapter 9, we begin with what? God is on the move to raise up a very unusual person to move the church in a way that he's never moved it before. Can somebody feed an amen on me on that one? That's some stuff. Don't fall, don't fall captive to Christian TV. God always uses what we would consider impossible situations to move people to places that they've never been before. And that's what he's doing in Acts chapter 9. So Saul, man, Isis is on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus to do what he is very good at, persecuting the church. And we know what happens in these early verses. God is on the move. And it's always interesting to see what he does. So God blinds him on the way. What an evangelistic message God preaches to Saul, right? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Stricks his eyes, calluses come on his eyes, scales come on his eyes. He's blinded for three days. He's blinded. God comes to Ananias. Oh, Lord, please do not make me an Ananias. Look at the message he has. Ananias, I want you to go to Saul. Look at chapter 9, verse 15. I want you to see this. I want you to look at what God has spoken into Saul's life. All right? Saul doesn't know it at this time. Only Ananias knows it, and Ananias is going to bring the message to Saul about it. But look at what he's saying to Saul. This man, Saul, is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Christianity is not a private gig between you and your family and God. Christianity is a global movement that what Christ has done in our life always spreads. 
How do you know if you have a healthy church? Because a healthy church always grows because you cannot contain the gospel. It's what the gospel does. And so God is going to raise up Saul to be what? To be a spreader and a distributor of the movement of Christ. But watch this. Saul will not reach his destiny. Saul will not reach his potential apart from who? Other people in his life. And neither will you and neither will me. God has not made us to be solitary people. God has brought people into our life to move us to the place that God has for us. Amen for that. So he goes out to the desert, gets out to the desert, comes back from the desert. Saul begins to what? He begins to preach. And can you imagine, do you think there's some people that kind of heisman him, keeping him away a little bit? Who is this guy? This is the same guy we were getting texted about. This is the guy that, that's bad news. And so they try to kill him. What a great group of people to hang out with, the Jews. You know, you get converted and you become one of, and then they try to kill you. So then he goes to the epicenter of Christianity. If God is going to use him in the way that he wants to use him, he's got to break in to Jesus Christ's church incorporated at Jerusalem. And so he goes to Jerusalem. Verses 26, 27, and 28. Can we stand up for the reading of God's word this morning? You ready? Look at what's going on. The anointing of God is on a man's life. God's doing it in a way that only God can do. Some of you are here today and you just don't believe it. You don't believe that God could ever do something with you. If you don't believe it, we're going to read these verses right now. This is the business that God is in. God does not have an A-team. God does not have the varsity that he only prepares and everybody else supports the varsity. God has a dream and a purpose and a passion for each one of us, just like he has for Saul. Verses 26, 27, and 28. When he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. What's the next word in your Bible? It's a contrast word. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. What? But who? The leadership, those with the responsibility of raising up to the next generation, the apostles. But they were all what? Afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Verse 27, what's the first word? Contrast word. So in light of what the leadership and the apostles thought, but who? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Jump down to verse 31. After that, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. You may be seated. Question on the table. In Amharic, in Ethiopia, the word is lemon. Say that with me. Lemon. Why? Why did Barnabas do that which those who should be doing it did not? What was so unique about Barnabas's understanding of the situation that launched a guy to fulfill his purposes that everybody else seemed to miss? 
Acts chapter 13, verse 24. Write this down in your text. We don't have the time to turn there, but just write it down in your, in, in your notes. Acts 13, 24. Acts 13, 24 says this about Barnabas. It says this. He said, Barnabas was a good man full of two characteristics. Barnabas was a good man full of what? The Holy Spirit and full of faith. What a combination. Full of the Holy Spirit. What, what, what does that mean? Acts 1, or excuse me, Ephesians 1, 19 tells us that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that is operating in all of us that profess to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Is there an amen in the church today? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is operating in my life and your life. And then it says this, and he was also full of what? Full of faith. Full of dunamis, full of dynamite, full of power, and also full of faith. Full of power and full of faith. Full of power to believe that God was working in Saul's life even when Saul and even when other leaders could not see what God was doing. Oh God, make us a Barnabas. Make us a Barnabas. We live in a culture that is addicted to externals. We live in a culture that sees with our eyes. And as we see with our eyes, it changes our convictions. Barnabas was different. He did not look at the externals. He looked from a perspective of a man that was filled with power and it was filled with faith. And it changed the way that he looked. Wow. Wow. Several characteristics that I want to look at. There's an outline that is in your... uh, Worship packet, it's in about four font. It's really small. So for those of you that still have your eyes or for those that need to put cheaters on, we do have an outline that's in there. But I want to look at some characteristics that, that, that made encouragers, that made Barnabas as unique. Yes, I am making the statement that every single one of us sit on both of these stools today. Both of us are in need of encouragement. 50-year-old pastors are in need of encouragement. Lemon, why? Because I can't see my life for who I am. My sin is too much. Any one of you that begins to go on mission for God, Satan goes on mission after you. And when you start to do things for God, the enemy comes alongside and says, you are going to try to do something that makes a difference? Come on. And he begins to remind you of all the junk in your life from the past. And you need another Barnabas in your life to speak what? To speak Christ into your heart. So all of us sit in the seat of Saul and all of us sit over here in the seat of Barnabas as well. We play two seats. We need encouragement to become the people that we are. And we also what? We give the encouragement so that others can become the people of God in their life as well. Let me give you three characteristics of what I see in here are characteristics of encouragers. Characteristics of people that see things that other people don't see. And because they see things that other people don't see, they do things that other people don't do. And because they do things that other people don't do, you ready for this? They accomplish things that other people don't accomplish. They see things, their seeing leads to doing, and their doing leads to accomplishing things that other people don't accomplish. Number one. Very easy. They identify the dreams, passions, and desires of other people even when what? Even when other people don't see that. 
They identify the dreams and the passions and the abilities and the potential of other people even when those people don't see it themselves. That's what Barnabas did for Saul. Why did he do that? Is Barnabas just a guy that, you know, the glass is always half full and so he always thinks that optimistically? No. The uniqueness of us as believers is that we have a grid by which to evaluate others. And what did he tell the apostles in Jerusalem? He says, you can trust this guy. Why? Because I've seen the marks of spiritual maturity and transformation in his life. I've seen it. And because I've seen it, you can believe it. I've noticed that the Lord is uniquely working in his life and that God's hand is upon it. All right, question. How much information did Barnabas have of the whole Ananias event? Between Acts 9.15 and Acts 9.26, was Barnabas in the email loop enough to know that when Ananias spoke purpose into Saul's life, Barnabas knew that? I don't know. I don't know that. I do know this, that Barnabas was in tune enough with the Lord that he knew that there was potential in Saul's life and he identified that and he spoke into that. Amen for that. Secondly, you ready? It gets better. Barnabas attaches his reputation to the reputation of Saul even if it meant ruining his own reputation. I mean, Saul was big time. Saul was an international story. Saul was feared. Saul was the Goliath of his time. And Barnabas what? Barnabas risked his own reputation on Saul's life even when he didn't know what was going to happen. When you disciple somebody, when you begin to spend time in a person's life, when you begin to choose to have an intentional lunch at work, to begin to move into somebody else's life and begin to share your life to them, you're risking it. Because you might invest a year of your life and this guy, what? Choose to says no thank you at the end of that. You might choose to invest your life in some person that has a reputation. And let me just say this, all of us have a reputation. By you investing in some person's life that everybody else has written off, it will bring your reputation into question. Are you okay with that? You better be, because that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen for that. He risked it for us. When he went to the cross, he didn't know what was going to happen 2,000 years later in my life. He didn't know if I was going to say, thank you very much, Jesus, but I'll choose to live differently. He risked it. He risked his reputation on behalf of us. And that's what he's calling Barnabas to do in the lives of other people. Question, did it make a difference? Did it make a difference? Absolutely. The church of Jesus Christ went forth in power. Why? Because Barnabas invested in Saul's life. Number three. Number three. Release the potential of other people even if it means that person surpassing your, you and your standing. Uh, The book of Acts has 28 chapters. 28 chapters in the book of Acts. After Acts 15, we no longer hear of Barnabas. Why? I mean, Barnabas was the guy, Acts 9, Acts 11, Acts 13, Acts 15. But after Acts 15, we no longer hear about Barnabas. Why? 
Because the person that Barnabas had spoken into Saul, Saul becomes what? The leader of the early Christian church movement. And so Barnabas spoke into his life, and as Barnabas spoke into his life, Saul's influence increased beyond Barnabas's influence. And Barnabas was okay with that. Anybody seen these athletes that, that kind of are all about them? Texans game the other night. The Texans are down 24 points, and Swearingen, you know, makes a tackle that anybody should make, and he gets up and just points at himself. Way to go, buddy. Good job. Barnabas was the kind of individual that he was okay with Saul having a bigger name than Barnabas. <laughs> powerful if tamba bible church is going to be a church that that makes disciples that go to ethiopia and beyond the world the other parts of the world it's going to be from those of us in here you and i who speak into people's lives with the hope of what for them to surpass you in what you do it's very jesus-esque isn't it Jesus says what to his disciples? He says, in the coming days, you will what? You will do greater things than even these. That Jesus Christ was speaking to a group of people like us today. And Jesus looked them in the face and said, what? In the coming days, you will do even greater things than I have done. Jesus is okay with that. Jesus is okay with speaking into his people's life for them to be able to what? To live out the purpose and the plan that God has for them. Amen for that. Let's get down to some particulars, all right? Got some principles. Let's get down to some particulars. What, what would that look like in here? What would that look like? First of all, what are we talking about with encouragement? And let's be very clear on the kind of encouragement that we're talking about. We're not talking about the kind of encouragement that says, oh, I really like your hair. And, and that bag and hair and sandal and shoe mix, oh, that belt is fantastic. I guess there's a place for that in women's world. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the kind of encouragement that speaks to the soul of another person's life. We're talking about a mature person in this church, maybe mature with gray hair, that sees another younger couple that comes into this church and chooses to come up with them and says, hey, I want to make a play date with you as the mom so that I can speak what? Truth into your life so that you might be able to be the mom that God has called you to be. That is unique. That is special. Most of us do not have that. Individual people that God uses to pull back our heart and to speak into their life. That's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about preaching a message. I'm not talking about handing them a book to read. I'm talking about you using the lips that God has given you to speak what? The truth that God has placed in your life, into their life, what? To see them become more of what Jesus Christ wants for them. So let me give you a couple things in regards to that. Be intentional. I'm 50 years of age and I've been a pastor for about 20 years of my 50 years. And very, very seldom do I ever have somebody that comes up to me and says, Ernie, would you just speak truth into my life right now because I just don't see the potential that God's given me? Would you just do that for me and do it in a way that that helps me fulfill my God-given potential? I've never had that. 
I never had anybody ever ask me for that. Are you hearing me? You've got to be intentional in that. You don't have to wait for somebody to ask, but you need to see that each and every person that you see is waiting for somebody to see something in them that nobody else is seeing. Let me just give you an example, a real practical example. Uh, prior to, to going overseas, I pastored in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was Thursday, and Thursday at Central Church was message outline day. And so I had to get my message completed on Thursdays. And so 3 o'clock was the deadline, and 2.59, you know, 59 was when I got it in sometimes. And after I would get that outline in, it was just a rush because I was ready to preach on Sunday once I had that outline finished. And so I picked the girls up from school. We went to the public library. Going to the library was more for me than for them. I don't even know if they know that. But we went to the library. We, we went up to the counter, and it was December time of the year, and we went to check out our library books, and we took them up to the counter there, and I gave this greeting to the lady that worked there, and I, I said to her, greetings, you who are highly faithful. Greetings, you who are highly favored. And as you can imagine, she kind of looked at me like, What? Well, it was December, and I was working on a message for Sunday, and so I had that phrase in my mouth, and I launched it. And understand, we as pastors, I mean, we, make, I mean, we, we get paid to be awkward, and we make people feel awkward, and it was an awkward moment. And she looked back, and she didn't say, what? She kind of looked back and said, that's an unusual greeting. I said, I know it is. Do you know the context? She says, no, enlighten me, please, O wise pastorate. And I said to her, I said, it comes from a, a very amazing chapter. It comes from... The Gospels where the angels of God came to the woman that was going to be the bearer of the life of Jesus. And the angels came to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. And now she really looked up. Because I, I, got, I got, you know, the, the tears started to do their stuff. Got to the discussion. I said, where do you go to church? And she said, I'm not going right now. I said, great, come to my church on Sunday. If you thought that conversation was awkward, come be awkward on Sundays with us. She came to church on Sunday. In the course of the sermon, she came to the conclusion that she needed Jesus and she responded to Jesus at the end of the service. And as she responded to Jesus, she she desired to get baptized. And after she got baptized, she got plugged into the the mainstream of the church. She got plugged into another group of ladies that could speak into her life. She completed her education degree and I was in Central Church a couple months or a couple weeks ago telling her story in front of the church. And after the story, she came up afterwards and she walked up and she said, Pastor, the story's not finished. She said, not only did I finish my bachelor's, but I went back and got my master's in education and now I'm teaching in the inner city because of one conversation that changed the destiny of her life. Just, we're not playing around with piddly kind of stuff. Thank you for the, for, for the soy sauce that really helped my, my Chinese food. When you launch a compliment and begin to speak into a person's life, it's powerful, especially in the day and age in which we're living in in America. Garage door goes up, garage door goes down, clicker comes on, TV goes on, TV goes off, and you call that a life. And most people do not have a living person that's speaking into their life. So we need to be intentional. Secondly, we need to be relational in that. We need to be relational in that. Write this down in your notes just real quick if you're taking notes on that four-font outline. Maybe two-font. 
Who is in your sphere of influence? Who is in your sphere of influence right now? And if you have a spouse, they're in your sphere of influence. If you have children that have your same last name and look like you and act like you, they're in your sphere of influence. So this is not something that first and foremost begins outside of your immediate connection of relationships. Let me just talk just a little bit right now to spouses. I've been married 20 years. 20 years. My wife's been married 20 years as well. How about that? Ladies, you do not know the power that you have over us. You do not know the power that you have when you speak into your husband's life. We are fragile. The bigger we are, the more fragile that we are. We're accomplishment-oriented. That's the way God made us. We go out and hunt bears and lions and bring them back and put them up on the wall. That's how God made us. And God made you to speak that truth into us. Because we don't know that. We don't know that. And God has put you in our lives, spouses, to speak that into this. Men, do you know the power that you have in your wife's life? <laughs> you know that? That's God-given. To amplify the life of your bride and your prince. How about the family? I shared a story already about my family. The family is the epicenter of God-given activity. The family is the epicenter where God-given dreams are birthed and nurtured and prayed for and encouraged and spoken into so that those little births of dreams will one day walk and will one day come reality and will one day be where you get on your knees and you pray for your kids and you release them to go to points elsewhere. Why? Because you have birthed that in your son through Jesus Christ. It's powerful. So therefore, let your encouragement be relational. Every one of your kids is different. I have three daughters that are here today and each of them are so uniquely different. I mean, look at me. I spit when I talk. I'm loud. I'm passionate. When I do that to some of my daughters, they run to the other room. So you have got to uniquely shape the way that you speak to your kids in the unique way that God has made them. It's not one size fits all. We as parents have to be uniquely consider the way in which we Barnabas our children. And it's powerful. And it's powerful. And it's powerful. So start with your marriage. Start with your your family. You ready for this? Now we're really going to get rocket science. Move to your neighbors. I I live in a townhouse right now, so my neighbor is like eight inches away. Our headboard and and their home, I mean, mean, they're close. So start with your neighbors. You want to hear a great evangelistic pickup line? Hey, do you want to come have barbecue this week? What man in here would ever resist barbecue? I'll eat barbecue for breakfast. Cold, hot, jalapenos, what? I'll eat it for breakfast. How about that evangelistic pickup line? Hey, man, you want to come over to our house and have some food together? 
Well, what are we going to do when they come over? You're just going to be real. Was that not the awfulest game you've ever seen the Aggies play in your life or what? Does the Ole Miss football coach, does he have a thing going on that I want some of? I was on his sidelines last night. I hope he does. Kind of cool stuff. Talk that kind of stuff. You don't got to start talking Jesus. Jesus has lived out in reality in very normal ways. And people are starving for it, especially the church. But somehow we've communicated that you've got to lead with the Greek. You've got to throw in a Hebrew word to really bring them in. What? Try to reach normal people like yourself because Christ has changed you. Let them know that. Well, maybe my wife and I will have an argument when they come over. Great! Get awkward in front of people. Christianity is an awkward faith because we have a thing called grace that God gets us out of it, right? Your neighbors need to see how forgiveness works itself out in a marriage. Don't be afraid of that. So start with your neighbors and just let the circles and the circles and the circles continue. And there's power in that. There's power in that. We do not have enough churches to reach 8 million people in the city of Houston. We do not have worship centers that are big enough to be able to reach the city of Houston. Has God given us a vision and a mission and a great commission that is too big for God to even accomplish? Absolutely not. The goal is to not invite people on church to sun, on Sundays. The goal is for the people of God, the Barnabases in your world, to reach the souls out there, not in here. It's the power, the power of Barnabases in action. I want you to see this video real quick. Some of you might have seen it. It's my favorite one. And if you know me, you'll probably see it again in the upcoming years. <laughs> 